Unlike Solskjaer, who admits he doesn't take care of the coaching at Man U, we at the Anglo-Italian pod are taking care of every aspect of our business. But most importantly, we are not getting in trouble with young boys. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, I'm Tommaso and I'm joined by... Rory, yes, still yet to be in trouble with young boys. Don't know why I said yet. Not to be in trouble with young boys. <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod and on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. A very busy episode today. Every episode is busy. We are going to review the entirety of the first match day in the Champions League. We're going to briefly discuss the Europa League. And then, of course, we are going to preview this week's fixtures. We're going to jump to the weekly topic where Rory is going to talk to us about the most exciting in, uh, players in England uh, at the moment, most exciting youngsters in England at the moment, and then the customary one minute to kick off quiz. And I was almost about to forget we are sponsored by oh, at Sports Club Maps or alternatively www.sportsclubmaps.co.uk. We have ordered some products ourselves, but guys, remember to follow them on Instagram to take a look at their website because once a month during our Monday night live stream on Twitch and YouTube, we are going to give away some of their incredible products. Rory, you want to tell our listeners what they're all about? I would love to. Um, their products involve posters, mugs, mouse mats, diaries. Um, I think that's everything. Mm -hmm. And they are, of course, maps of your favorite countries, your favorite areas, your favorite leagues, and they all look sick um they've released a few new ones today i think they did a belgium one they've done a faroe islands one it was on their twitter so the range is far and wide regardless of your sport or where you're from and rory how are you i am good i'm kind of dying like the first week um back at school with full lessons is like long and i'm starting to realize that like six hours lessons a day is pretty intense i also had a kind of hilarious like you know when you forget how young your students are and how old you might be uh so i talked to football uh, i talked to my students about football quite a lot and they were asking me if arsenal had ever played juventus and i was like yeah 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 not that long ago in like 2006 and, uh, and they, <laughs> my student just turned around and went he turned to his friend and went oh no it was before we were born and I was like oh um, god I'm old it really was one of those like you know where you just you don't need reminding but you get reminded it was a pretty yeah. uh, pretty <laughs> yeah. sobering moment I think yeah, especially today. I don't know. I just uh, I was also talking about football with my students. So if you're a student of Rory or I, probably there, there is a high chance we'll talk about football. But uh, when I mentioned that the World Cup final in 2006, they I mean they <laughs> they just looked like something that's seen on television at some point. Like, uh, yeah, doesn't we can't relate to it. And it was it's like talking about the 86 final to us or something. We're just like, yeah, all right, whatever. If you know yeah. what I mean, it's like before <laughs> it's that was before I was even you know a thought. But like. I feel like most of the time my students just talk to me about football because they know I'm easily distracted and it means they don't have to do as much work. So I feel like they right. talk to me about football quite a lot. By the way, guys, to those of you who don't live in Italy, and namely Milan, the weather is fucking weird. It's like full, yeah, full on fall. It's like autumn already. The sky is autumn, but the wet, the temperature is like mid-August. It's humid, it's hot, but outside it just looks like the biggest thunderstorm could break out at any moment. It I'm praying sucks. it does. I am praying it does. 
Yeah, but then there is yeah, always the risk awful. that that the sauna effect comes out and it's even hotter afterwards. <laughs> very true. Very true. And something true. else that was super hot were some of the Champions League fixtures. Nice that segue. Is, I like it. Good work. I'm Smooth. Just, I'm just getting good. So <laughs> your review. Let's go. And here we are. Champions League football, Rory, how much fun was it to hear that anthem again? Oh, I Honestly, it just I know I say this every time, but it just made me really fucking angry that Arsenal weren't there. But it was really good to see. We had some really great games, um, some incredible results, some great goals, and I think a great way to kick off this new Champions League um, season, especially starting with, can we start with it, please? Manchester United losing to the young boys, yeah, which I, was I, just I, fantastic. I was going to say, so the first crazy thing about this game is that young boys have won only two Champions League games in their history. And in both of those games, Cristiano Ronaldo was on the pitch. So they won against Juventus and they won against Manchester United. I mean, isn't that incredible? That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up his record against young boys. It must be terrible. It must be terrible. So this game was already bang, you know, like Manchester United, big time favorites, Cristiano Ronaldo, Champions League man is on the pitch. They go up 1-0 with an incredible assist outside of the boot, Rory. I know that you love them. Uh, from Bruno Fernandes connecting with Cristiano Ronaldo. But then things didn't go as planned. Cristiano Ronaldo was even subbed. Young boys tied the game. And then Jess Lingard just fell asleep in the middle of the pitch. Blew it for Man United. Rory, what did you what did you make of this game? Well, I think it was like a relatively bright start for Man United. And we can see that like Fernandez and Ronaldo are really getting a bit of a partnership going together, which is going to be a threat for the league, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I think you can see that Fernandez, obviously being Portuguese, kind of idolizes Ronaldo. So he's going to be doing everything he can to make sure that relationship kind of works out on the pitch. They seem to be playing really well together. But then uh, after around the 30th minute or so, United just didn't have a shot. And okay, Wambasaka was sent off, which did make a, a, a big difference. But even before then, United weren't looking particularly convincing. I feel like the substitutions were a bit of an odd choice. Like I understand you're down to 10 men, so you're going to say, right, let's take off a few that, attacking players. By the way, that's always a red card, right? We all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like really clumsy tackle, over the ball, stamped on his ankle. You can't really complain about it. Um, but I think the way that Solskjaer dealt with the game after that substitution was a bit... And this is like... I feel like every time I end up just fucking bashing Solskjaer. But I want to kind of caveat this with... He has proven to me recently, like he cares, but he's proven to me recently that he's a, <laughs> like, that he's a better manager than I thought he was, right? I think he is a better manager than I initially thought. But that being said his inability to affect games and his tactical awareness, I still think leaves a lot to be desired, which always leaves me with the question of, is this the best Manchester United can do? And the only answer I ever get is no. Like this is not the best they can do in terms of, in terms of how, who can coach them. I think there is someone definitely better out there for them. Now you, that being said, again, you can caveat it with they did have someone sent off, but I think his substitutions were really, really bizarre. I think 
bringing off Ronaldo and bringing on Lingard and then Fernandez for Matic. I, I can see what he was doing, but it just meant that there was no out ball. There was well, no like the, the the one substitution that I really didn't understand comes right after halftime. Donny van de Beek finally gets to play a football mm-hmm. game, and you take him off to bring on Rafael Varane, who is a defender. So. You're up 1-0 against young boys and you bring... I understand. I understand that you have to change the tactics and everything. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And then at the 89th minute, you bring on Martial for... uh, Who got off? For Fred. So you're going more offensive again. Yeah, it's it's far too late. (laughs) It's it's, It's just like, I don't understand what you're trying to do, really. And about Oli, I just wanted to read uh, Bryce's rant. So, friend of the pod, Bryce. It's not just Arsenal rants you get on this show. It's not only... So, Bryce, uh, I didn't ask if I could read it, but here I go. The message goes, prepare for rant. Good. Get Oli out. He's a coward and the only thing holding this team back. Donny deserves better and should leave. Lingard, no words. Varane is way better than Lindelof, who is nothing but a liability. Ole admits that he doesn't do the coaching, and whoever is should pack his bags with that Norwegian coward. Damn! Wow. Strong words. Now, I I mean, he was fuming. It was a heat of the moment, guys. So this wasn't very, like, you know, cool-headed reflection on what happened in the game. But I think that quite a few Manchester United supporters, especially now that their prodigal son is back in the team, they are starting to grow more and more critical towards Solskjaer. I f- yeah, and but you can't have it both ways, right? They've supported Solskjaer and it said to everyone that he's a better manager than people have been saying for ages. And then when he is shown up, you turn around and go, oh, well, he's terrible. We always said he was terrible. You can't have it both ways. Right? People have been supporting him. If you're going to support him as a manager, support him as a manager. I also think he's not the biggest problem in that team. The problem is they didn't buy a fucking central midfielder. They, they, like the whole world knew that they needed a defensive midfielder. And yes, I know you go out and get Ronaldo because the opportunity is there and he's the prodigal son and he's the greatest football that's ever lived, arguably. I understand it. But whilst you've still got a pretty terrible midfield in in terms of being able to protect that back four, the back three, whichever he wants to play, that that is the hole in that team. That is where where the where the fault lies, and this is where when they come up against bigger teams or young boys, the fault is going to get found <laughs> because people can just run through that midfield. Like, and that is. Yes, Ronaldo will get you 20-odd goals a season. He did for Juve, right? But last year, they didn't win the fucking league because they had lacking, their, their team was lacking in other areas. So yeah. I feel like Ronaldo doesn't guarantee you the title. He guarantees you a certain level of goals a season, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the title. And I think, like, the, the the I've said it, I'm repeating myself, but the problem with United is that there's that big hole in the team that they didn't address. And I don't understand why. Maybe it was just because they got distracted by being being able to get Ronaldo. Yeah, and also, well, I mean, it's kind of funny. Oh, well, sorry, I got distracted. I'm thinking about, like, the notes around the Manchester United, you know, headquarters. It's like, hey, dude, did you get the central midfielder? Fuck, dude. Uh, 
Jesus, I knew there was something I had to do this summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. I started seeing all the posts about Ronaldo, man. I forgot. No, don't worry, dude. We'll just like next transfer window. But this time, try to remember it. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. Fuck up. It's also, been four windows already, man. You need to get it together. Like, But yeah. also, I think that substituting Ronaldo at the 72nd minute is dangerous, both for, for the relationship you're going to have with that man. And just because, I mean, the fans, they know that Cristiano Ronaldo can deliver until the 90 odd minute mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. so I think that Oli kind of did something risky there and I, I like the image he tries to explain to Ronaldo why he subbed him and Ronaldo just kind of walks away <laughs> so well like, I feel like of, of, in terms of the coaches that Ronaldo's worked under maybe Oli lies next to or below Pirlo in levels of like respect <laughs> that he's going to get from Ronaldo but I also like my last thing I want to say about United is that also it's like it seems at the moment it's very like feast or famine. Like they go out and admittedly batter a team that they battered last season as well, let it be known. And it's, we're going to win the league, right? Then they lose one game and it's get our fucking manager out of it. So I feel like it's also a little bit of like calm needs to be had and realize that you're not the finished article yet. And there's going to be these freak results and also beating leads or, Newcastle by several goals doesn't mean you're going to win the league. I just think a bit of calm needs to be had. It feels like, and it's because they're one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest club in the world, they're talked about the most. That's why you get these extremes. Just, I just feel like level it a little bit. And that's yeah. coming from an Arsenal fan, and we do not level anything. Like I do agree with you. And I mean, looking at the results, we're going to look at the Atalanta game later. Um, but it's definitely com- um, good for Manchester United that Atalanta and Villarreal had a draw. Everything is still possible. But I understand that when you redebut Cristiano Ronaldo in your team, you kind of want to do that, kind of want to seal that with a win. But that didn't happen. Let's go. Let's move back and forth from England to Italy. And actually, the first game that we can talk about, it's England and Italy absolute scenes Ooh. at Anfield as AC Milan for the first time in their history step into Anfield. That's incredible. The only time we said it in last week's pod, the only time that Liverpool and AC Milan met before yesterday was in the Champions League finals. Liverpool come out 3-2 winners. However, AC Milan come back home knowing that they can upset teams what did you make of this game Rory I feel like we said it was going to be like it's just an iconic fixture despite only being played twice and I feel like it might be one of the best fixtures in football without being like too hyperbolic per game how like the entertainment factor per match or per time these have met has been insane um I felt Liverpool really did their best to fuck it up like Liverpool absolutely battered them for 40 minutes like Milan did not have a sniff and then five minutes of collapse, Milan, two shots, two goals. Obviously, Magnon, 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 um, saving the penalty from Salah was huge. That really did give Milan a way back into the game. But then second half, Milan had a goal ruled off uh, for offside in like the 49th minute, I think, mm-hmm. which was definitely offside. But if Kiar had been a yard behind and that goes in, 
I feel like it's a completely different game. But then from that point, the Liverpool, like the Anfield crowd went, it really was insane. And Liverpool from then, you could only really see the game going one way. Again, Milan were kind of anonymous in the second half. They had five good minutes, but then just kind of Liverpool just ran at them, ran at them, ran at them. Again, the same problem we've said with Liverpool, they can't really finish their chances. For the amount of chances they create, the amount of goals they score is quite low. Um, But I was impressed with Salah. Henderson scored an absolute beauty. I saw a great tweet that someone was like... That that goal, I love those volleys, like the bounce, 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 and go to the... I feel like there was someone someone on Twitter tweeted, Henderson was definitely screaming Gerrard in his head as he hit that ball, like massive (laughs) Olympiacos uh, vibes there. But it was a great goal, great game. Um, But I think Milan, a few players stood out for me, mainly Magnon I was was impressed with. and I thought Rebic looked really dangerous, really dangerous. Um, that guy seems to, after a bit of a shaky start to his Milan career, he seems to be coming in a little bit. Like after they got him from Frankfurt, right? And he's starting to really, really no, co- like become, get comfortable it, in that team. Like. He's become like before it, he had he had his minutes, he had his goals last year. But you, when you thought about AC Milan, you never thought of him as a starter, really. But he's taken that duty multiple times, even during this season already, and he's he's been performing. Ibrahimovic, of course, wasn't there, or should we say God? And now this is very funny, Rory. There is this uh, this page that I love on Instagram, Rivista Contrasti. It's an independent football magazine, 4,000 mm-hmm. followers on Instagram. And uh, I don't know, they have opinions that often go against what the majority of people think. Okay. And I saw so Ibrahimovic the other day after scoring for AC Milan against Lazio. He posted this blah, blah, blah. And there is basically, it's a picture taken in the 1920s with a bunch of race dogs running, all right? Uh, racing dogs running. And then there is a cheetah sitting behind them, like at the start line. Oh, right? I think I know the picture, weirdly. Right? Yeah, okay. it's yeah, a yeah, story. Yeah. So basically, they had organized a competition with dogs and the cheetah to see if the cheetah was actually faster than the racing dogs. When they asked the owner of the cheetah, why didn't the cheetah run? The owner of the cheetah, remember that this is Ibrahimovic posting this. Okay. The owner of the cheetah said the cheetah doesn't have to prove anything to anybody because the cheetah knows she is the fastest in the world. And so in the end, he had like a line about the fact that, you know, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You just like prove to yourself that you're the best. And then what happens? Whoops, injury. And this is like the fifth injury that Ibrahimovic has had in six months. And it comes in the same week in which he said that he's always been of the same league of Messi and Ronaldo. And so this magazine on Instagram was just like, instead of posting like shitty, dumb stuff like that all the time, and then getting injured and skipping games because you're getting old and there is fucking nothing wrong with getting old. Just relax, man. Train, score your goals, have fun, but don't come with the blah, blah, blah shit. But yeah, the irony of someone posting about someone not having to talk about how good they are. (laughs) (laughs) The irony behind that is just fucking unbelievable. Oh, the cheater doesn't have to compete and say how good he is, but I need to. uh, No, wait, this doesn't work. Delete. Uh, Take it down. I don't know what to do. Yeah, look, I feel like Milan weirdly did miss him, though. Like, when they brought on Giroud, he didn't really do much. I had a lot of hope for old Ollie, but he didn't really make much of a difference. Um, but no, like Liverpool are just... Liverpool kind of feel inevitable in the Champions League. And I think Anfield, like... 
non-Liverpool fans love to say that Anfield is just like one rendition of you'll never walk alone, then it's silent. And I think that's really fucking harsh because last night the atmosphere was unbelievable. I feel like night games at that stadium are just different. And, you yeah, know, absolutely. And uh, a special guest was at the stadium last night, Mr. Antonio Conte, and he was filming everything. Who knows? Maybe there have been some talks with some clubs in England. Who knows why he was there? Probably oh, just so. to enjoy a good game of football. But my takeaways, Rory, are that Mike Magnan is actually a very solid goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He, it was a steal from Lille. And the other thing is that I don't think that Fikayo Tomori is worth only 28 million euros. I think he's actually a very well-built and very aware centre-back. And him and Kjaer and Mainan in goal are making of AC Milan's defence one of the best defences, I think, at the moment in Italy. It's looking good. Well, this is it. And I feel like what's really annoying is that because Tomori doesn't play in England, he's just going to be fucking ignored now. And he's actually doing really well. I think if he was at Chelsea playing, he'd have been in the Euro squad. Like, I kind of thought he should have been in the Euro squad anyway from his performances at Milan. Great player. You're right. Really intelligent. Knows exactly where to be. His positioning is great. Decent in the air. Good with his feet. Like, he's got it all. And I think, um, yeah, Milan are kind of building something there. I think Magnon is going to be the next French number one. Um, I think the only thing that's keeping him out of the team so far is that um, Loris is captain, obviously. Right. Um, but I feel like he's going to be, he's going to have the shirt for the next couple of years. Milan have done so well to bring him in. Like, And the story all of a sudden isn't the fact that they lost Donnarumma on a free. The story is, oh shit, they found this guy, right? And for them to manage that situation so well, I think Maldini needs a bit of credit there. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, you can, you will always be able to argue the fact that they let Donnarumma go for free, but replacing the best goalkeeper in the Euros with a top class goal, top class goalkeeper was not easy. And uh, good job to AC Milan. Scoring two goals at Anfield is not easy. They, I did, of course, I was watching the Inter game. We'll get to it. I didn't watch the entirety of the game, but yeah, I was told that AC Milan, like the first twenty minutes of the game, they there were like ten shots from Liverpool mm-hmm. in the first twenty minutes of the game. Within um, one minute, they had a chance that they should have scored. You're like, oh yeah. shit, this is going to be a long night. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, but after a bit, yeah, after a bit, it felt like they were just like, all right, fuck it, we're going to go for who scores more goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's still still a, a mini statement. I think that yeah. they're not like the newbies in the Champions League and they're carrying on that Champions League, that European DNA, we could say. You were talking about the atmosphere at Anfield. Nice little leeway. There wasn't much atmosphere at the Etihad Stadium in, <laughs> in Manchester. And after the game, Guardiola urged the supporters <laughs> to go to the stadium. Well, <laughs> the meme, pretend like, just you know when a joke writes itself and you're like, all the football Twitter was like, we told you you've got no fans. Even your own manager's fucking saying it. It's something you'd expect to hear. Like, I don't know if you have in Italy, but in England, you have like Soccer Aid. And it's like where celebrities and footballers play together and raise money yeah, for yeah, charity. Yeah. And you'll have a World Eleven versus England Eleven, right? And then you'll see them on on news and they're like, "Please come down on Saturday at three o'clock. It's for an important cause." And Guardiola's <laughs> there, like, "Please come down on Saturday at three o'clock. It's an important game." And Southampton are going to trying to promote you. You're the richest they're, they're, team in the world, and you're having to sell your ground to your fans. It's rid- honestly ridiculous. We're going to be grilling. There is going to be free beer. Yeah, bring yeah, your kid. Yeah. Bring your bring your nan. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> Nevertheless, they managed yeah. to come out winner in a nine-goal thriller. Damn, I'm rhyming too. Man City oh. six, RB Leipzig three, and all goals for Leipzig 
came from Christopher Kunku. We talked about him thoroughly last year. We said he was one of the most exciting players in the Bundesliga, and now he has delivered with a hat-trick at the Hetiad Stadium. Two headers as well. It two was... beautiful headers. Two beautiful yeah. headers. And I feel like two very different headers. One was like kind of guided around the goalkeeper. One was a bit more of a bullet header. And the finish as well for the hat-trick was beautiful. I think... This is one of those like statement performances where now he's going to be linked with like every Premier League team that needs a striker or an attacking midfielder. Um, but what and performance? Then, yeah, and another beautiful header came from um, Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake. Ake. Ake beautiful yeah, yeah. story. Um, he he posted on Twitter and Instagram. He his father had been sick for a very long time. Oh, wow. He was in hospital with his family last night. He knew that he was going to depart from this planet, but apparently he saw his son's goal and then he passed away. Oh wow! And, uh, oh the God! Post, yeah, man. No, and the post that uh, Nathan put on Instagram was really like a very feel good post it was like i knew mm-hmm. this was gonna happen i knew that my father enjoyed watching me play football and they told me that he passed away after seeing my header my first goal for manchester city so that's a beautiful story oh, right it's gonna get me man um well our <laughs> thoughts are with you nathan anyway i'm sorry yeah, right. for your loss but what a moment i'm glad your dad saw it um for man city it was like another dominating performance that they do in Europe quite often. In the group stages, they seem to slap teams quite a lot. Um, Grealish's goal was fucking unbelievable. Really nice kind of little dribble and finish into the far side. Um, I think Leipzig were just... Well, we know the type of football that they, they play. They like to go for it. They like to be attacking. They're not just going to turn up and put 11 men behind the ball. So you kind of... With City, that kind of result's going to happen, I suppose. But Leipzig like, made no bad account of themselves. Except their own goal, which was quite... That was pretty terrible. That, that was, was, that he, was really, terrible. he really aimed that goal. Like Before getting the ball, he, he looks at the goal and you're just like, well, how do you get away? Like, the keeper's face is just like, no, 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 are you fucking idiot? <laughs> like, he's just he's falling the other way as the ball goes past him. It was a bit, yeah, terrible, terrible defending. But I think... I didn't expect City to win that comfortably. I really didn't. 6-3 is a big margin, right? But at the same time, I maybe because I'm Italian and I'm biased with this thing that the defense is the best way to attack. Actually, this was... <laughs> I just quoted Mussolini, but... <laughs> sorry okay, about that's that. fine. <laughs> but I know because you know that in Italy, we just, uh, you know, the, the defense, it's all about the defense. And for me, conceding three goals at home, dude, against Leipzig, it's kind of big. Like, when you are Man City, and in fact, there were also many memes about Guardiola calling back his players, uh, namely Grealish and Marez. They oh, both yeah, he scored last night. Oh, Marez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just like, guys, I don't fucking care. You got to drop back and defend. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't yeah, care yeah, what yeah, position yeah. you play. And I think that, see, I mean, Guardiola has been there for quite some time. And conceding three goals at home, in my opinion, is quite big, no matter how convincing your mm-hmm. win is. Um, let's move to Chelsea. They played on a Tuesday against, uh, I don't remember now, Zenit. Guess who scored? Yeah. Lukaku, already another goal for Chelsea. Um, is he one of the top three strikers in the world right now? Yes. Yes. He's scoring every goal. He's scoring every game. And you're just like, it's already, he's only been at Chelsea since, what, a month, two months. And it's already like, oh, Chelsea have scored. And before you check who scores, you know it's going to be Lukaku. Yeah, you right. You click on it and it's Lukaku. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Like when you check Dortmund and it's always Haaland. It just yeah, feels I like think, it's always Lukaku. So if we talk about number nines, so no Messi, no Ronaldo, I think it goes Lewandowski, 
Haaland and Lukaku uh, in no particular order. I mean, Lewandowski's first, but then the other two. Um, Saul uh, also played, I think, the game yes, um, for, for Chelsea. What did you make of it? I just watched the highlights. I just saw the highlights myself. I think a fairly routine win for Chelsea. I would have expected a few more than a 1-0, but we know Zenit are no, like, they're not terrible. They're a decent team. Claudinho for them looks really good. Um, they've always got a few decent promising players, but I think for Chelsea, yeah, nice, comfortable, routine win. Three points on the board. On to the next one. Uh, with Juventus winning 3-0, they might be a little bit kind of concerned, but I don't think there's much concern there. Let's go to Juventus right away then. They are asking us on Twitter if we feel like Allegri has lost his way with tactics. Well, I don't think the question is particularly fitting this very week because they win pretty comfortably in Malmo. They barely conceded them any chances. So it, I think it was a very a much needed win in the Juventus environment, winning comfortably away from home. The next game is going to be at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, so it's a big one, and it's important, I think, to be there with three points, to go there with three points already. However, I just wanted—I didn't mention this—but Allegri is kind of known for his slow starts, and uh, mm-hmm. many times he ended up winning the league even with a very, very slow start. For example, 2012—sorry, uh, 2011-2012. He scored five points in the first four match days with AC Milan, and at the end of the season, they won the Scudetto. In 2011-2012, he made he scored five points in the first four games, and in the end, they finished the second behind Conte's Juventus. And then, also in 2015-2016, this was very famous in Italy, four points in the first four games uh, with Juventus, and in the end, they won, they, they won the Scudetto. Napoli was wow. really pushing that year, but they ended up winning it. So it's kind of a thing of Allegri to start slowly. But at the same time, we discussed it on a Monday night during our live stream on Twitch and YouTube. I think that Allegri is a better manager when you give him a team that is fully assembled. And he, mm-hmm. at that point, he's very good at carrying on the work of whoever was before him. Right now, Juventus is a bit in shambles. So he's going to have to show that he's also capable of, you know, restoring the environment, creating a new way of playing and becoming uh, consistent in Italy because they're already eight points behind from the top. And like you said, they've already won down on the head-to-head to Napoli as well. So it's big. There's a big gap to make up already. Atalanta draw against Villarreal away from home. Goals by Freuler and Gozens and for Villarreal from Trigueros and Dan Juma. Now, Dan Juma, he's already scored two goals in three games. He comes from the English Premiership uh, Championship, sorry, but apparently he's been performing and uh, it looked like it from the highlights that I saw of this game. Uh, Atalanta played a pretty decent game. However, uh, Villarreal scored on two mistakes that they that they allowed. So definitely, I think, I think, I mean, it's a tough group. It's a tough group. There is Manchester United. There are the young boys that beat Manu. So I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for Atalanta to to go through. But we shall see. It's, I think it's very interesting and even group. At least, no, this is it. I was watching. Like the, I watched a bit of the Atalanta Villarreal game, um, and there was a. A moment where I thought, oh, I've I've been here, Villarreal fans. Um, when 
Francis Coquelin got sent off and Emery's team were 2-1 up, but then dragged back to 2-2. And I was like, oh, I definitely don't miss that about you and I, Emery. Um, but I think uh, Atlanta did really well to come back into it. Um, and that's a great point because Villarreal, we've seen, are definitely like no mugs, not at all. Um, so yeah, good point. I still think Atlanta could get through though. I still think they could get through. And finally, for our Anglo-Italian review of the Champions League, we've got to talk about the game that made me say, well, what a dumb, dumb sport. Inter, nil. We're Real finally Madrid. there. You've held oh, it man. off for long enough. <sighs> right, Rory, I'll let Tommy. you go first. I'll let you go first. Tommy. I'll let you go first, bud. What is it with Inter in the Champions League, man? Just what is it? What, what was your opinion of the game? Don't ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I'll give opinion... you my answers later. My opinion of the game was um, Inter played quite well. They made plenty of chances, but just classic can't get that final ball or can't get the ball into the net. Um, it was, I think Lautaro had a few opportunities. Brozovic played really well. Brozovic played really well. Uh, Skriniar played well. There was a lot of players that did really well, just not getting the ball into the goal. And then, The longer Inter went without scoring, I was like, this Real goal's coming. They're going to get a chance. They're going to get a chance, and they're going to take it. Handanovic didn't even move for that freaking goal. He did not even move. He did not even move, but that's a difficult shot to save. I would love to see see him dive. I agree. I would love to see him fucking dive and then miss the ball, but at least you dive. At least you're fucking goalkeeper. It wasn't an impossible shot to save. I think if he dives, he could have got it. And so this one goes... All right, I'm going to jump in. Go so on. this goes back to the fucking summer business. Like, we did excellently, like, considering that two of our our two best players left. We did great to sign Dumfries. We did great to sign Zeko for two million. What was it? It's all great. Correa at the, at the death of the transfer window. That's beautiful as well. But, man, we needed a fucking goalkeeper. Now, Inter has got a very good tradition of goalkeepers. They are already in touch with Onana because he's going to be a free agent soon from Ajax. But at the same time, man, it's like we needed to do something already this season in case Andanovic really doesn't go well, which wasn't the case last night. I don't think that we can. he's the culprit for last night. He barely had any saves. But then when there is that one shot, at least do the effort, try to save it. Look, in my opinion, Inter played a very, very good game. We had many chances. There was a Lautaro header that maybe he could have angled better. Uh, very comfortable save for Courtois. Courtois was the best man on the pitch. He had the saves on everybody. Twice on Zeko, twice on Lautaro. Uh, one on uh, on a header, I believe, from... Uh, I don't remember who it was, from a corner kick. And then Skriniar had the ball right there but he just bounced off his knee. So we had many opportunities. I think that we are not looking worse than we did last season. In some regards, we're actually looking even better. So this is a great takeaway. We played a game with personality. We pushed. We never looked frantic. We never looked like we were panicking. We had control of the game. We had a lot of ball possession. Though, however, as you say, these guys, they had two two opportunities, one with uh, Rodrigo when he scored and one with Benzema a few minutes earlier. And you don't want to concede them. And another one with um, with the, their centre-back, uh, Militao, who in front of an open goal, he missed. But these were the three chances. You don't want to give them even one because they're going to score. So the XG for Real Madrid was 124 and they did score one. For Inter, it was 246. 
So that means something about the finishing, right? Brighton, the Brighton of Serie A. Are we, are we seeing the, the, the potterization of Inter Milan? I don't know. Yeah, I felt like it was just... I think I tweeted it in the first half. I was like, Inter really need to take one of these chances because Real are not going to go home without scoring. Like, it's just not going to happen. No, yeah. But, yeah, tell me. But that did mean that there is an unexpected team top in the group. Yeah, one last thing. Milan Skriniar, I really felt bad at the end of the game. He didn't move from the middle of the pitch mm-hmm. for a long time. And he had an incredible game. He almost even scored. And then, like, taking on that goal, at the conceding at the 90th minute, pisses you off so bad. Yeah, Sheriff are top of the group. And guess what? I watched the extended highlights, and they look like a solid team. Like, <laughs> they're, they're good. They're really good. Yeah, mate, there is this connection between their um, their left back. I believe his name is Cristiano. Yeah. And that uh, Traore guy, wow, they connected multiple times. And Shakhtar were really nowhere to be found. The Zerbi is a Shakhtar. So the Zerbi, the manager coming from Sassuolo, compared to the biggest names in managing in the world, mm. maybe sometimes a little too quickly. Uh, I was very unimpressed with Shakhtar. Um, they often tried to build from the back, but oftentimes they kind of missed the easy passes and they weren't able to advance in the pitch. That was kind of my impression. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think Sheriff did a really good job of like the, the you know, the pressure, the keeping the shape, playing on the break. You're right. Um, the Cristiano at left back was unbelievable. Adama Traore, not that one, up front. Had a fucking beautiful volley for the first goal. Such a nice goal. Um, and yeah, I feel like they just, they forced Shakhtar into the errors. And I think honestly, they they may have walked into that game just expecting to win. And I think even now, Ray Allen Inter will be looking and going, okay, we need to take this team seriously. Because if we don't, they're going to punish us. I still think, Tommy, you're going to go 1-0 down to them, but you'll win. Yeah, next game we play away in Ukraine against the Shakhtar, which is already a must-win. We we talked about it last <laughs> you year. You do this to yourselves every time. It's it's already a must-win. Oh. It's already a must-win. I think we're gonna get it. Um, but Shakhtar, they're on zero points, just like us. So maybe I would have rather played just, Sheriff. I, it just blows my mind how Inter managed to put pressure on themselves at every opportunity. They're like, no, not enough pressure, not enough pressure. Come on, we need more. Like it's just blows my mind it blows my mind other games that is definitely worth talking about number one the lol ha 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 let me laugh a little more game club bruges psg <laughs> one one suck it fuckers. i fucking love it i fucking love Woo! it honestly all the tweets beforehand were like this isn't fair neymar messi and mbappe club bruges are about to get battered and you're like okay let's see let's see None of them do friggin' anything. The only guy who scores is Ander fucking Herrera. And you're like, okay, guys, right, maybe just ramming all these big names into a team and not thinking about it doesn't work. Like PSG, really? The, really? the lack of direction at PSG is mind-blowing. Like, the amount of money they put into that project and then the lack of, like, one clear direction. Like, even you could argue Pochettino, he's a great manager, but is he the right manager for that team? Maybe not. And then they bring in these big names just purely because they're big names. Like, did they really? I know. Do you, does anyone need like? Do you need Messi? You buy Messi because you can get Messi. But you're like, he's not going to improve the team in the way that they need it improving. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I no, think it's, it's like obviously he's the greatest player ever. 
ahead of Ronaldo for me, but the but, rest of the team doesn't work behind him. There's not the creativity to get it. Neymar, I'm not even going to get into Neymar because he fucking winds me up. But like, I feel like there's not the support structure around him. And there was a clip of Messi trying to like dribble around someone and the PSG players are just stood watching him. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay, are you his teammates or are you just fans? Because the way he was greeted in the club was a bit weird in terms of like they were just fanboying him so much and you're like you realize you still have to do your job right this guy isn't just going to do everything like and it just i'm loving it i hope it all crashes and burns because i Look, think it's just and, fucking- and one thing that we're learning i mean we we it could easily be predicted but we're seeing what's happening what's happened already with real madrid what's happening with barcelona now messi is 34 years old and uh, he's gonna get older because people do get older and in two years time i don't think he's gonna be at psg anymore Mbappe already wants out. He wants to go to mm-hmm. Real Madrid. He's made it very clear. Neymar, I don't know what that guy's thinking. The major- that guy just wants the paycheck. The he doesn't give a fuck. He just wants the paycheck. Yeah, he's got he's got even that clause in his contract that they're gonna pay him half a million a year to just greet the fans and be nice to them at all times, right? So Neymar probably is just going to stay there because he loves paycheck, right? But the rest of the team, then you take away the front three, and I'm reading the names from their lineup last night. Wijnaldum. Paredes, Herrera, Diallo, Kimpembe, Marquinhos. Well, Hakimi is fucking great. But our old... Marquinhos is good. Marquinhos, I'm going to stick up for. No, no, Marquinhos is great. Hakimi's great, but are they going to stay there once? Maybe Marquinhos, yes, but once the excitement around the PSG is gone, like, are are you sure they're going to stay there? And then you've got so many problems to solve. Even, I mean, this is so funny, but Icardi and Messi. We know that Icardi wasn't called up for a very long time to the Argentina national team because Messi put a veto on it. He was just yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not going to play in this team. And last night, there was a chance where Messi dribbles past a few players. He just needs to touch the ball. Icardi drops off from the defender. He's in front of an open goal. Messi doesn't give him the ball. He takes him on, takes him on himself and then shoots out, out of target. Now, I don't want to say that he didn't purposely pass the ball to Icardi, but I was, it was just curious. I was like, who's number nine? Oh, yeah, Mauro. Mauro Icardi's number nine. So, yeah. That it's... sums up the lack of thought about anything that goes into that squad. Because they didn't even... They, they signed Icardi despite the fact that he brings tragedy wherever he fucking goes. Yeah. And then they bring in a guy who publicly fucking hates him. And you're like, guys, do you know anything about squad harmony? Have you heard about, like, man management? You know, these concepts that make a massive difference. Like, But like I said, I hope it all goes horribly wrong for PSG. And I really, perfect. really do. Well, to give him credit, Messi also hit an incredible crossbar. But to give them credit, Club Bruges did not look intimidated mm-hmm. at all. They scored a beautiful goal. I love those type of goals. And, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, we also have to give a shout-out to their striker. Now, I'm going to check his name. I have to find his name, and it was... De Ketelere. De Ketelere. Lang. Lang, the number 10 for Bruges, had an absolute stormer of a game. He was almost trying to put on the messy show that we were all waiting for. The guy was ridiculous. And I think Club Bruges again showed that in the Champions League, there aren't any mugs. None of the teams are terrible. You're going to have to turn up and play 100% for every game because all these teams, especially the teams that have gone through playoffs, right? They fucking earned their place in this competition, right? Like, right, right, right. So I think it's just, maybe it's just a reminder that you, there's no givens in this uh, in this competition. 
No, and also uh, I'm checking that real quick. But Club Bruges, the, they drew against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu on October first, twenty nineteen. I remember that uh, it was an incredible game. And again, they showed that they went up two nil, and then Ramos and Casemiro uh, scored two goals for Real Madrid to come back and draw the game. But again, these teams are not to be taken lightly. They've got a bit of uh, Champions League DNA. They're customary guests on the list, we could say. But yeah, beautiful result. Love to see that PSG didn't stroll past them. Beautiful to see. Uh, also, we have to talk about Ajax with an incredible hat. Hattrick, what do you call it? Hattrick plus one. A hole. H A U L. Hole. Yeah. A hole from Haller. Nice. He scored four goals at the second, ninth, 51st, and the 63rd minute. You know, what I love about this is that he scored the first goal right away, but then he didn't fade throughout the game and he ended up scoring another one at the 63rd minute. That is like consistent, you know, consistent work rate. I feel like West Ham fans must have been throwing their remotes at the TV when they see the player that he was for West Ham and he's scoring four goals in the Champions League. It just kind of highlighted to me the fact that, like, you know, when players and clubs just don't click and there's no, you can't really see why, you can't really see what the problem is. It just didn't work. And then they've sold into Ajax. And by all accounts, he's been pretty great since he joined Ajax. Um, Sporting Lisbon really to get slapped five one at home is pretty embarrassing um but ajax we always know are gonna do quite well or do well enough to get out of the group stages they always get out of the group stages don't they and as a thunderstorm is starting to rage outside our windows the other results were atletico madrid fc porto nil nil besiktas one borussia dortmund two guess who scored for borussia dortmund Roy? jude bellingham yes and the name Holland, of, the of course. Holland, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then on the Tuesday night, we had Barcelona, Bayern Munich, 0 3. Now, I can't believe Barcelona, you haven't talked about that one yet. Actually. Yeah, Barcelona had no shots on time. Oh, mate, they were so, so average. Like, this was all the times that Arsenal got drawn against Barcelona in the Champions League and we'd go out. I was like, oh, fuck, can we have him this time? Can we play him this time? I'll take him this time in the knockout stages. Jesus Christ. Honestly, they look really, really average. Really you, know average. What, you know one thing about Barcelona? Their defense looks terrible mm-hmm. in, in, in the tapping. Sergi Roberto is not great. He is yeah, not great. no, he's not great. And the... the um, and the the tap the second tapping goal from uh, mm-hmm. Lewandowski, Piquet just leaves him completely alone because he goes to tackle Musiala, but really he's not trying to tackle him. He's just standing no. there like a ballerina and he hits the <laughs> post. And then Lewandowski is all alone. I think he was surprised to know that nobody was trying to to fight him off. Then we had the Dinamo Kiev Benfica nil nil. <laughs> Wake me up one September and please. <laughs> and then I think the the cra- Lille Wolfsburg same thing nil nil. But I think the craziest game of them all was Sevilla Salzburg with four penalties in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Never happened in the Champions League. It's also never happened that a team was given three penalties in a single game. But also never happened that the same person procured all three penalties for. Um, for um, Salzburg. Now, the first penalty, Salzburg miss. Then they change the penalty taker. He scores. Third penalty, he shoots, but he misses. He hits the post. And then there is a penalty for Sevilla, which Rakitic converts. 
four penalties in the first half. Now, Rory, if you were the manager, what would you do in football manager if your team oh God, misses the chance twice <laughs> from the spot? Oh, my laptop would be out of the window so quickly. If I even gave away that many penalties, I'd be pretty fucking angry, and the guy would have been subbed off after giving away the second penalty, probably. Um, yeah, missing that many penalties. I feel like even on Football Manager, that hasn't happened to me. Touch wood. I don't want it to happen now when I log on later, but it's, um, it, yeah, it has, it is yet to happen. And when people say, oh, it's ridiculous, like the things that happen in Football Manager, then you see things like this happen in actual football and you're like, no, 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 it's not. It's completely realistic. Whatever happens in Football Manager is realistic. Like, and one last thing that I want to say to fully wrap up the Champions League review is that uh, about Inter, again, because my notes up here are a mess, I also had written down that I have something to tell Simone Inzaghi. I wasn't happy with the substitutions he made in Genoa last weekend. Um, he ran out of substitutions at the 70th minute and we had to play with 10 men for 20 minutes because Sensi got injured. Um, I understand he was trying to preserve players for this big game, but then when this big game comes around, I do not understand, for example, the Lautaro Martinez substitution. Now, last year at Inter Milan, we had Lukaku. Lukaku always played at the 90 minutes and then Lautaro Martinez would always get off around the 65th, 70th minute. But this year, we don't have that many options up front. And taking our main forward out at the 65th minute, I was just like, eh, is this what we need to be doing right now? Um, I don't know. I would have I would have gone for a more offensive uh, for a more offensive uh, mindset even towards the end of the game. That's all I have to say, Simone. I wasn't very impressed with the on-game management bringing on Vecino also at the 84th minute. He's one of the people responsible for the give and go started by Camavinga, who deserves a shout. He scored mm -hmm. for Real Madrid in his debut in La Liga, and now he assisted beautifully. He dictated the play. He was like, give and go, ran the pitch, went down, and that that soft ball for Rodrigo is just beautiful. Well, the thing we've noticed about Camavinga is that every time he steps up a level, he just looks at home. So it doesn't surprise me that he's just fitted in straight away. He did in the French team. He did when he made his debut for Ron. He is with Real, and you're like, okay, there's nothing phases this kid, eh? Right, and right now it's Thursday as we are recording, and tonight Champions uh, Europa League action is in place. As we are speaking, Galatasaray are playing Lazio. The result is nil-nil at halftime. Let's look at other uh, English teams. West Ham are winning one-nil against Dinamo Zagreb at the half. Go by Rory's favorite striker in the Premier League. Antonio. Mikhail Antonio, of course it is. Who else is going to score for West Ham? Also, yes, exciting announcement while we're talking West Ham. While we're talking West Ham, me and friend of the show, Thomas Wayne, um, will be going to Vienna, hopefully, to get tickets to watch Rapid Vienna West Ham. Listeners, if you know anyone who can get us tickets for that game, please, on Twitter, Instagram, slide into our DMs, please. We've booked our flights. We are going. We just need to get into the stadium. So if any of oh, anybody can help. I used to date a girl who lives in Vienna. Well, if you're on speaking terms, it would yeah, be fantastic yeah, yeah. to be able to get tickets. Yeah, I will ask her. Beautiful. Done and sorted tonight at 9 p.m. This one is going to be an exciting one. I think I'm going to watch it. Leicester City, Napoli, unprecedented oh. fixture. 
in the Europa League, and uh, then there are a lot of other fixtures. Um, Conference League is also tonight, I believe, uh, or tomorrow. We never know anything about the no, Conference it's playing League. No, t- it is playing tonight. Um, we've currently got Slavia Prague beating Union Berlin. Damn it, Union Berlin. I wanted you to do well. Um, we've got, oh, I don't know, Copenhagen beating Slovan Bratislava. Tottenham drawing one all with Wren. Come on, Wren. It's half time there. Um, and that's it, really. Uh, Flora, <laughs> Flora Tallinn, nil, Ghent, nil. Any, wow. any more of these? Any more no, of these? no, we're done, Rory. I don't want okay, to talk right. about just Lincoln, me Red Imps, nil, P-A-O-K, one? No? <laughs> nope, nope, we're done. <laughs> right, but Rory, right. I have a question from you, uh, for you from our friend Max. How much would you love um, Tottenham? to lose the Conference League final to Mourinho's Roma? Oh, I honestly, I think I might prefer that to Arsenal qualifying for Europe this year. That would actually, that would actually be beautiful just to see Mourinho running up and down the line. Obviously, I would enjoy Arsenal qualifying for Europe more, but it's close. It's bloody close. (laughs) It's close. And now, very quickly, before we jump to our weekly topic in which Rory is going to shine a light on the most exciting youngsters in the Premier League, let's have a look at Serie A and the Premier League this weekend. Now, the Serie A kicks off tonight, on Friday, at 8.45 with Sassuolo Torino. Torino, Rory, interesting stat, especially for you XG lovers, is the team with the lowest XGA in Serie A, which means expected goals allowed. So yeah. their defense is looking solid. You know what's funny? That I got three defenders from Torino for my fantasy football squad. And how many of them are actually playing? Zero. <laughs> and their manager is the guy who was at Verona last year, right? Juric. Yeah. He okay, looks yeah, yeah. scary and he's got a heavy mm-hmm. metal band. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yep, dude. Yeah, he's a guitar player. He said he once even said which one is his favorite uh, album, and it's a very unlistenable uh, met- death metal album. Oh, wow, right. like that. Yeah. Wow. The, okay. Then on Saturday, we've got Genoa Fiorentina. Keep an eye on Fiorentina once again. I think they're very exciting this year. Inter Bologna at 6 p.m., and Salernitana still pointless take on Atalanta at Oh, home. God. Come on, Seahorses. Come on. <laughs> and on Sunday, we keep going at lunchtime with Empoli Sampdoria and then at 3 p.m. Venezia Spezia. At 6 p.m. Verona Rome. Then we've got Lazio Cagliari and the big one is on Sunday night, Juventus take on AC Milan. They are looking for their first win in Serie A this season. This game is going to be massive. And then on Monday night, Udinese take on Napoli at home. Now, about AC Milan, they have quite a streak of games. Let's say that the the streak started last week when they took on Lazio. They won 2-0. Then they had the game at Anfield, which they lost 3-2. And then they have, in the matter of 15 days, Juventus, Venezia, Spezia, Atletico Madrid, and Atalanta. So it's go. It's quite a stretch for AC Milan. Definitely, we're going to see what they're made of in these games. Juventus AC Milan. Rory, you want to predict the score? I'm gonna say AC Milan win two one. Juve take the lead, but they screw it up again. I think it's going to be a draw. I can see a two two draw. I don't know. That's my feeling. 
Let's hope Inter Milan wins against Bologna. But let's move to the Premier League. Rory, what have we got this weekend? So the Premier League kicks off today again. Uh, we have at nine o'clock Newcastle taking on Leeds. Both teams looking for their first win of the season. I'm going to back Leeds to pile more misery on the tune this weekend, unfortunately. Sorry, Newcastle fans. Then on Saturday, it kicks off at half one with Wolves versus Brentford. I think this could actually be quite an interesting game. Um, Wolves have only had one win this season. They won last weekend. Brentford are up on five points with a win and two draws. So I think this could uh, could be a really interesting game. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to back Brentford to get something there. Then we have a load of three o'clock kickoffs. Um, Burnley versus Arsenal. Come on, Arsenal. Uh, Liverpool versus you wanna, Paris. You want to pre- you want to predict the score for that one, Rory? <laughs> Not even slightly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool versus Palace. Last time Liverpool beat them by seven, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how far Palace have come. Um, then we have City versus Southampton and Norwich versus Watford for the basement boys. It'll be interesting to see if any of them can get their first win of the season there as well. Oh, come on. Last week it was a derby, and now you're calling them basement boys. Rory, you have some respect. Who? Norwich, uh, right? What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, Watford have won a game this season. Sorry, Watford. They're actually above Arsenal. Oh, Christ. Um, so <laughs> Norwich, Norwich, Norwich versus Watford. Will Norwich get their first win of the season? Um, will Watford get their second? Hopefully not, so Arsenal can leapfrog them. And then at half past five, UK time, half past six, Italy time, we have Aston Villa versus Everton, which I think is going to be a really interesting game. Two teams that have had um, pretty good starts to the season. Um, Well, Everton especially, won three and drawn one, so still unbeaten under Rafa Benitez, even though none of the fans wanted him. Um, Villa, okay, maybe not that great. A win and a draw, two losses, but I think this could be an interesting game. Then on Sunday, we have... Brighton versus Leicester. I think maybe that's going to be like the hipsters game of the weekend. Um, Go Brighton, guys. And again, I will always shout out to them. They, I, I know nothing about Brighton as a city. I know very little about the club, but they're, they're, there is this podcast called The Seagulls Social. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very good, but also they come up with incredible memes, man. They are just like, I don't know. They've they, got some fire memes. They really yeah, do. They make the, the real spicy ones. They're just yeah, like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> So that kicks off at two o'clock in the UK, Brighton versus Leicester, West Ham versus Man United, which is always a great game. Genuinely, the Lingard, like a bit of, the Lingard Derby, yeah. The Lingard Derby. He's definitely going to score, isn't he? Um, I feel like the both these teams kind of weirdly really don't like each other. So a bit of a derby there almost. And then game of the weekend, possibly. At half past five, half past four UK time, we have Tottenham versus Chelsea. Uh, Prediction. I think Chelsea are going to embarrass them. I think Chelsea are going to embarrass them. Yeah. I think, uh, hmm, I don't know. I think Lukaku is going to score for sure. Of it, yes. And, (laughs) but I can see, I don't know, plot twist, Tottenham come out winners. We shall see. I don't know. But um, the guys, Premier League this year, it's looking super interesting. We've got four teams even on 10 points, including Rafa Benitez's Everton. So I feel like neither me nor Rory are big Rafa Benitez fans. I think he doesn't have a lot of fans <laughs> the world over. I don't mind uh, it. I don't mind him. I think he's just a bleh. good manager. He's just good. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And then Man City 
at nine points together with Brighton and Tottenham, West Ham at eight. It's looking very lively and interesting. So this is it for How this. many do Arsenal have, Tommy? Where are we? Oh, wait. All right, let me open. The... <laughs> One second. I'm going to scroll yet. I'm gonna scroll down. I'm gonna scroll down. I'm gonna scroll down. They're on 16th place, uh, just below Watford, points? with three points. Yeah. Yes, three points, which means a very convincing win. One nil over Norwich. Don't Shout forget, out guys. Also to the to the Arsenal fans who were singing to Norwich. We're staying up. We're staying up. Massive, like even uh, Nicola Pepe posted on Instagram afterwards and had to take it down. He put a picture from the match of him celebrating with "We're staying up" because he heard the fans singing it. And thought, fucking brilliant. At least they know that. Yeah, like, it's you know, brilliant. we're a joke. Yeah, 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 it's brilliant. But at the same time, I wouldn't <laughs> want the players to buy in <laughs> on the joke. Right? It's time for our weekly topic. There we go. And here we are. Yes, weekly topic, ladies and gentlemen. And this week, we are joined by nobody. It's only me and Rory, ladies and gentlemen. You can bask in the sound of our beautiful voices for some time. So, yes, basically, we decided to shine a light on players that maybe are not so known in the Premier League and in Serie A. Since you guys have been patient with very long episodes thus far this season, we decided to split this weekly topic in two. This week is going to be Rory talking about four players that he think are going he thinks they're going to grow and do well in the present and in the upcoming future. And next month I will do the same with four players that play in Serie A. Rory, so who are the four youngsters that you have selected for our listeners? Well, thank you for having me on, Tommy. Um, I have decided to pick four players that are not from the traditional kind of big six, big eight, big however many you want to define it as, um, and maybe teams that you might not watch or you players you might not have heard of. So these are all players that hopefully you will now be keeping an eye on them a little bit and hopefully my predictions won't prove to be false. So the first player we're going to talk about, and we talked about him all the way back in our first episode of this season with Kurt from um, the uh, Crystal Palace fan. And the first player we're going to talk about is Michael Alise. Um, now, this player was born in London, but fascinatingly, he can represent France England, Algeria, and Nigeria. So this guy has a lot of different um, ethnicities running through him. And I think... Rory, if if you were this guy, you would definitely pick Nigeria just to play the AFCON, right? Uh, Nigeria or Algeria would be a lot of fun, but Nigeria have some unbelievable kits. So I think for the kits... It would have to be Nigeria. It would have to be Nigeria. They never miss with their kids. Thank God you're not a football player. At the unveiling, you would just be like, since I was a kid, I always thought that the jersey was sick, man. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am so happy to sign for Venezia. It's always been my dream to sign for Venezia. Um, But but he, he, he ended up picking France, correct? Yeah, so he has represented France at under-21 level. So it's not been confirmed. He was called up by Nigeria, but as a standby for a few friendlies. So I think he's still possibly keeping his options open. And I think he's a player that even England could maybe keep an eye on, but we have, for once, kind of got a bit of a wealth of talent in this area. So maybe 
But if France are looking at him, Christ, if France are looking at him, he's got to be good enough for England, right? You would think. Um, so anyway, he was born in London and he started his career. He was at he was at Chelsea as a young player. He was at Man City as a young player. And then he finally got his chance at Reading where he made 67 appearances and last season got seven goals and 12 assists. Now, the guy is 19 years old, right? Um, he really is like, I was watching, I, I have watched him in the championship um, quite a bit. And I just love the way he plays. He's kind of got a similar vibe to um, Abere Eze, who will be playing alongside at Palace. Um, a nice tricky winger, pacey, loves a dribble. But also, I was really impressed with his strength. Um, he's like really physical. Like the championship is quite a physical league. And he was, for a 19 year old, he was holding off some very experienced players. Um, and I feel like he really competed, well, more than competed at that level. But the one thing that stood out for me the most was his delivery from set pieces. So he was taking corners and free kicks for Reading. And it just seemed like he never, he was always directly on the striker's head, directly on the defender's head. His delivery from set pieces was ridiculous. Now, he made his debut for Crystal Palace in the 3-0 win over Tottenham. He came on in around the 70th minute, and I know the Palace fans were very excited to see him. He's excited. He's expected to make his debut this weekend in the game against Liverpool, so a hell of a game to make your full debut at Anfield. Um, but I think he's a really, really exciting player and someone who Crystal Palace will be very excited to see. And um, just, to, just to put in perspective how young he is, he wasn't even born during the 9-11 attacks. You know, I'd love to bring up... It's <laughs> Tommy's only reference in history. His only reference point is pre and post 9-11. It's, yeah, it's pre and post 9-11. No, sorry, I had to say that. Um, <laughs> but also, I, I have a question not related specifically to Michael Olise, but in general to football terminology. So... I'm looking at his transfer market page. He's listed as a trequartista. Now, trequartista is a very well-known expression all over the world in football. It's an Italian term that basically means you're the guy behind the strikers up front. How would you translate uh, trequartista in English? Is it because offensive midfielder is not enough for me? No, we tend to say like a number 10, I think. We just call mm -hmm. it a number 10. Someone who plays behind the striker, makes the chances has a shot himself, um, kind of that tricky creative player. And I think this is, yeah, he's very much that, but I think he's going to be used. Palace seem to want to use him on the wing. And I think for Reading, that's mainly where he played. Um, but yeah, he can play all along that kind of front three, so to speak, behind the, behind the striker. If they, um, if they get him as a Anzaha on the pitch at the same time, I feel sorry for any defenders that are going to be facing up against that. And I think, We've talked about Palace, so we'll continue to talk about them. But I think that club is um, a really good environment for him to be at. We've seen that they've really helped Eze um, progress until his injury, and hopefully he'll be back soon. Zaha has obviously been incredible for them, and I feel like he's a player very much in that mould, um, that they could give the time to play, give the experience. And with the great, great Patrick Vieira coaching him, you can't go wrong. And I just wanted to read one of Rory's notes about this player. I love it. Uh, probably you were watching one of his YouTube videos. There is a line that says, absolute screamer versus championship team in pink. So Honestly, you... <laughs> right. I, was, I was pausing. I was like, who is that team? And I paused it. I was like, is it Luton? Is it Birmingham? And I couldn't, you know, when the pixels just aren't good enough. So if anyone wants to tell me, I tried to research it, but... <laughs> 
I'm Googling championship team who plays in pink seems ridiculous. Very quickly, it's not related to this section. It's more uh, towards the Champions League. So the Champions League debuted in on Amazon Prime. Great coverage. Loved it. They've already uploaded all the highlights. They're all three minutes long. They're in-depth. They're nice. It's very well done. Good job. The only thing that I want to tell people is when you make highlights videos, well, some highlights don't even have the score on top, right? Well, the score is very important for football fans. <laughs> and the other thing is the fucking minutes, guys, and it doesn't take much. You just leave the clock right there. For the rest, I think Amazon Prime was great, great coverage, definitely better than Dazone that is struggling to pick up, to take off in Italy. Sorry to interrupt you, Rory. I had to... No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Honestly, I would have quite liked to have just had like who the team was written underneath it because I did just write championship team in pink. So if anybody knows who that is, I think it's Luton. Please, please correct me. Not, not County is not in the championship, right? No, 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 no. They're not. He's a professional at the moment. Oh, really? Because I think they have a pink kit as well. There's a few teams. I was trying to narrow it down. But anyway, Michael Lise, very exciting player. And that goal is an incredible goal. Outside the area, just absolutely pings it into the top corner. Um, So it feels like he's kind of got a lot of strings to his bow. Um, Yeah, his set-piece delivery, passing, dribbling. The kid has it all, and I'm excited to see him. And he's one meter eighty-four, so pretty, pretty strong physical presence mm-hmm. as well. Unlike the next player we're going to talk about, uh, uh, physicality is definitely not his strong point. We are talking about Billy Gilmore, the twenty-year-old Scottish man on loan at Norwich from Chelsea. So, Rory, what are the reasons why you picked this guy? We heard about him quite a bit last year when he did when he had both his uh, Premier League and the Champions League debut. Well, exactly. He's another player that I believe he got his opportunity, his first opportunity under Lampard when a few young players um, came, were given their chances. He is a player who always performs like, you know, when a player is more mature than his years, like an, a, an old head. Um, it feels like whenever he's in midfield, he's always very calm. He manages to dictate the play. I think physically, despite his kind of small stature, he actually physically does very well. Um, and I, why I'm excited about this guy is not only because Chelsea are excited about him, but the fact that he's been sent out on loan to a team that are going, chances are going to struggle this year. And I think this is going to be a big learning curve for him. He's going to be the focal point of that team, potentially, um, like the kind of key in that midfield. And I think he'll learn a lot on this loan experience. He's had like a really big year. So he made his debut for Chelsea. He then won the Champions League. He got called up for Scotland to play in the Euros. I feel like this guy's career has accelerated quite quickly, but he's managed to kind of, he's not looked lost at any point. I feel like in the Euros for Scotland, he was one of their better players. And I think he's just a really nice player to watch. Whenever I've watched him, I just like how he plays. His passing is great. He always just keeps the ball ticking over, if you know what I mean. And I think he's just a really nice player to watch. Maybe he would have deserved more than one appearance for Scotland at Euro 2020. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I cannot think of other very good midfielders that Scotland have. But um, um, Billy Gilmer, uh, yeah, I was very excited last year when I saw his Champions League debut. He, The guy has personality. I think that's mm-hmm. his key trait for what I've seen. Very strong personality. And as you said, he kind of uh, feels older um than what he is how would you feel rory if that chelsea team sent you on loan to a club that is going to struggle for relegation i think you'd have to see it as the opportunity that it was right i think he definitely strikes me as the 
as the player who doesn't want to just sit on the bench and wait. If you know what I mean, I think he wants to be involved. He wants to play games. He wants to like, he wants to do his job, right? And I think, um, so I think for him, he'll appreciate the opportunity that it is. And I think for Chelsea, it's great for them to be able to get him Premier League experience and then look at him again next year. I think when he came into the team, there was very much noises of like, you know, this is a guy who is going to be involved in our future. I don't think it's someone that, they're trying to loan to sell. Um, so I think, yeah, he's a really exciting player. Another one that I think, again, for a team that you might not watch or you might think, oh, why would I watch Norwich? There's a reason to watch them. He is definitely worth watching. Beautiful. That was our second youngster that Rory is shining light on. Keep your eyes on Billy Gilmore. Let's move to the third name. We're talking about a 17-year-old who has represented England for the under-17 and under-19. Rory, I would love to introduce him, but I'm going to leave you the pleasure to pronounce his last name. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Carney Chukwemeka. Chukwemeka. I'm really sorry, man. Sounds like a I'm, native. I'm not, sounds like a Native American uh, name. I'm not. I. I he. He's from England. I don't know what to say. Um, but he, he he was described as the best 16-year-old in the country by the uh, CEO of his current club. He is, you're correct, Tommy, only 17, and he plays for Aston Villa. Now, this guy, I've seen a bit of him because I've seen it kind of highlight videos of him on Twitter, and his name has kind of been appearing as someone to keep an eye out on. He was a key part of the Aston Villa team that won the FA Youth Cup last year. And this is a really, really good batch of Aston Villa youngsters that are coming through. They're definitely like one of their, their academies is one of the most like underrated, I think, in terms of the players they churn out. And I think this generation they have, there's Louis Barry there as well, who's like a football manager legend for the player that he turns into. So, And they, this Carney really stood out amongst them. What I really like about him is he gives off like massive... Paul Pogba vibes, the way he plays the game, um, his close control is really great, his dribbling, his range of passing, his he gets goals, he gets assists, and I feel like he's a player that Villa fans are really, really excited about. He made his debut this season coming on in the Premier League. No, he made his full debut against Brentford in the first game of the season, managed to get 83 minutes under his belt. And um, by all accounts, the Villa fans were very excited to see him. So I think he's another player that we're going to see a bit of this season, maybe in the Cups, maybe a bit in the Premier League against the so-called like lesser teams. Um, he might start getting a few more chances, but I think he's a player that over the next few years we're going to hear a lot about. Check out his YouTube highlights for the youth team. Some of them are like highlights from like what looked like kind of seven-a-side pitches and stuff. But nonetheless... <laughs> He is a great player, technically incredible. Um, and like he I was, said, just remind just reminds me of Paul Pogba whenever I see him play. He was born in Austria. Hmm, strange. We shall read up. There isn't much information on Wikipedia, but we shall read up more on his origins. He plays for England, however, and that's all that matters for Rory, right? As long exactly. As we need more young, promising players in England. That's what unlike the, the other night, Rory had a very short but quite intense Musiala rant. He was like, why would this fucker play for Germany oh, when man, he I, could I, play for England? I put it on Twitter that it's going to take me so long to get over the fact that that guy chose Germany and not England. God Damn it, that guy is good. Yeah, no, and that, that shot that ended up on the post against Barcelona and Lewandowski scored on the tap-in was a very powerful shot for the distance he was at. He would the, really... guy's ridiculous. the guy is 
ridiculous. And he's going to be starting for Bar- for Bayern Munich week in, week out now. It's mental. Like, he's also going to start for Germany and not England. Woo! Yeah, so frustrating. <laughs> Never mind. Beautiful. So that was our third player. We've got an easier last name for the final one. Not so easy. Tariq Lamptey, 20 year old. He has also represented England at every level. And now he's in the under 21 squad. Rory, what are your tips about this youngster? Well, this is just a player I didn't want people to forget about. Because he had a really great year last year, a really great breakout season at Brighton. Then he got injured, and he's still injured. Hopefully, I'm not sure when he's back, but I hope he's back soon. I just think he's a player that got a lot of hype, and I hope that people kind of don't forget how good he is. Um, he plays as a wing back or winger, and he's tiny, but he's really, really, really fast. And I feel like defensively, he still has some work to do in terms of like his uh, positioning, his defensive awareness. But his attacking instinct is incredible. And I think being coached by Graham Potter and being in a club like Brighton, who are quickly making themselves kind of Premier League ever presence, touch wood, I hope I don't jinx it. Um, I think it's a great environment for him to be around. He only managed to make, now the first time I watched him, he made one appearance for Chelsea. And of course it was against Arsenal. Arsenal were 1-0 up. He came on and completely turned the game and they won 2-1. Um, and that's from that point, I've always been like, man, I need to keep an eye on this guy. And I just think for another team that maybe you might not watch when you decide in which Premier League team, which Premier League game to watch, maybe you think, I don't want to watch Brighton. They've got a lot of good players. But when Tarek Lamptey is back, he's definitely another reason to sit and watch and just enjoy. He's just, whenever I, whenever he gets on the ball, you're kind of like sat on the edge of your seat, like, right, what's going to happen now? He's a really exciting player. He's a right back, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. He plays as right back or right winger. Um, and yeah, just an outstanding player. I think he, within the first few games of him playing for Brighton, there was already clubs sending scouts and Chelsea thinking, oh shit, did we let a good one go? Because he really did stand out. Man, Chelsea, holy shit. The Chelsea Academy is... It's the insane. names that come out of there are many and they are big. So Rory, I'm going to put you on the spot. You have a chance to sign on a free Michael Olise, Billy Gilmore, Carney Chukwemenka or Terry Clampty. Who do you pick and why? I'm going to go Carney, I think. Okay. I why? really, really was impressed with his highlight reel. And when I watched him, I was incredibly impressed. I think the way he plays that midfield role is just, like I said, massive Pogba vibes. I think on his day, if he makes the step up, the his ability to beat a, beat a man and pick a pass is just, just what Arsenal need at the moment. And I think I would really... I'm really excited about this guy, and I hope for Villa, you know, they lost a homegrown playmaking attacking midfielder. Maybe they've got one already to replace him. Yeah, <laughs> we shall see. But Rory, thank you very much. We're gonna. I'm definitely going to keep my eye, eyes on these players. These are Rory's picks for the most exciting youngsters in the Premier League, and I will do the same very soon with... Italian players. Spoiler alert, one of them is going to be Tommaso Pobega, not because of his beautiful name, but because he really impressed me last year at the Spezia, and he's doing pretty well at Torino already. He's already scored a goal. But Rory, it's time for our quiz. I'm ready. Let's do it. (laughs) 
So thank you very much once again, Rory, for shining light on the young talent that is uh, present in the Premier League. Thank you very much. It was much. my pleasure. It was my pleasure. <laughs> well, I'll do the same thing next month. You've kind of understood how the gig is at this point. Every month, we're going to have an episode with AFC Finners, one with our friend Luca. So in the former, we're going to talk about something related to English football. With Luca, we're going to talk about Italian football. Then we're going to have an interview every month. And then there's going to be an episode where Rory and I take care of the weekly topic like we brilliantly did for the majority of the season last year. But it's now time for the infamous one minute to kick off quiz. Rory is currently leading. What was the score again? You have 11 points and I'm still on two. I chose to make my life even harder. I chose Juventus as a topic just because I felt like, you know, it's a historical Italian team. And we, whenever we talk about them, we like throw that. I mean, we, we kind of like throw shade on them. We, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's going to be a surprise to no one that we don't like them. So I think maybe some of these questions will be more positively spun towards Juventus. Maybe, maybe, but not all of them. Maybe. And it's time for our theme song. And here we are back. Well, right now, Rory, you're leading. You're the, I guess you're the host right now. And I'm just... Uh, I'm just you're just the contestant. So here we are, Tommy. Um, you may have given a slight spoiler, but first of all, um, let's go for the, for the rules. So Tommy will have one minute to answer as many questions as he can on his chosen topic, which is, Thomas? Juventus. Juventus, FC, Zebre, whatever you want to call them. Depends zebre, on what, zebre. Zebre, whatever computer game you play with La them vecchia on. signora. La vecchia La signora. vecchia signora, exactly. So, Tommy, are you ready? No, I'm not ready. Um, I, I was trying to think off the top of my head. Do I know who Juventus' top goal scorer is? Nah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Okay, ready this is going to go. be a rough one for you. Right, so are you ready to go? <laughs> ready, set, go. What year were Juventus founded? Uh, 1897. Boom! One! Good work! What English team did they famously get their black and white stripes from? Notts County FC. Two out of two! Who was the first British player to play for Juventus? Jesus, we covered it. We covered it in an episode last year. Um... Hargraves? No, uh, sorry, no. I, I was trying to make a name as I was going. Keep going. <laughs> okay, next one. Number four. When in Serie B, Juve lost four games. Can you name any of the teams they lost to? Lecce. No. Omar Sivori holds the Juve record for the most goals in a game at six, but who did he score all those against? Ascoli. No. How many Juventus players were there in Italy's 2006 World Cup win? Five. Good. Five. <laughs> and three managers have had two attempts to manage the old lady. Can you name them? Um, Max Allegri. And mm-hmm. uh, the other one is Marcello Lippi. There's three. Three managers. And the third one, I don't know. <laughs> Trapattoni. Okay. And you're out of time. Out of time, Tommy. You did all right there. You did no bad. I think, yeah, I got three, right? Yeah, three. So let's go through them. So the first question, number one, was what year were Juventus founded? It was indeed 
1897. Tommy, where did you pull that from? Well, because the right now we, we, we have all these new badges, but I'm used to the badges I grew up with that have okay. the foundation and number. So I have it printed in my mind, 1897 Juventus, 1899 AC Milan, and 1908 wow. Inter Milan. Okay, good work. My God. <laughs> Question number two, what English team did they famously get their black and white stripes from? It was, of course, Notts County, so that is two one of the first One of the first Instagram posts that I made for our page. Yeah, It was. Yeah, damn, I didn't I forgot that. <laughs> Question number three, who was the first British player to play for Juventus? It was John Charles, the gentle giant, the Welshman from 1957 to 1962. Then in question number four, when in Serie B, Juve lost four games. Can you name any of the teams they lost to? This was a difficult one. They lost to Mantova, Bari, Brescia, and Spezia. See, um, I wanted to say either Bari or Lecce, and they went for Lecce, just because I remembered that there was a, an upset in uh, w- with a team from Southern Italy. I remember their first game that they played in Serie B, they drew against mm-hmm. Cesena 1-1. And it was so fun because they had been relegated. <laughs> People were... Like I mean, there were people making amateur videos on YouTube of them singing like from home with their kids, like Juventus are going to Serie B. <laughs> and then the first game is a draw, and you're like, maybe it's not going to be that <laughs> easy for them. But no, in the end, it was pretty easy for them. Well, the lesson there is between Bari and Lecce, always go for Bari, I think mm-hmm. is the lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, Omar Savori holds the Juve record for the most goals in a game at six. But who did he score all those against? It was against Inter, Tommy, in the 60-61 season. That's why I put that question in, because I thought, oh, I, you'll probably guess that it's Inter. Wow, so we both lost the derby 6-0, <laughs> and we uh, guys scored six goals against us. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, question number six. How many Juventus players were there in Italy's 2006 World Cup win? It was exactly five. So it was Cannavaro, Buffon, Camoranesi, Del Piero, and Zambrotta. And then finally, question number seven. Three managers have had two attempts to manage the old lady. Can you name them? It was Lippi, Allegri, and Tommy? Trapattoni, I said. Trapattoni, good. I got got that one too in the end. Because I said, I don't know, but then I said Trapattoni when you were like Tommy. Ah, okay. So it's four. Four. It's four. Yeah, we are 11 to six. Let's go. Okay, a bit more respectable. A bit more respectable. I like it. You still have a game in hand, though, so we'll see next week. We'll see next week. Um, I need to think of my topic. I was thinking of it at work today, and I just couldn't think. So give me a few minutes while I come up with it. <laughs> and um, what topic am I going to go for? Let's go for um, the UEFA Cup. The UEFA Cup. So no yeah. Europa League, just no, the, UEFA the UEFA Cup. Cup. That is why that was the first thing that came into my mind. And instantly I know nothing about the UEFA Cup. It's inc- right. This game is incredible. The second you pick a topic, <sighs> all of a sudden your brain goes blank. You don't remember anything. All I know is that Napoli won it with Maradona. That's like the only thing I know about it. That's the one question that I'm not going <laughs> right. to ask you. But no, that was a very good quiz. I'm glad that I make made four points. My best so far. It feels like my engine is finally started to, to warm go. up. Rory, anything to tell our listeners before I send them off with our customary quote? Uh, no, I think uh, apart from the usual, like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, you know, tweet, all that stuff, please, we need to get our name out there. So any of that would be massively um, appreciated. Thank you, and guys. It- I'll speak to you next week.
And if you want to slide into our DMs, they're always open. We check them every day. Most times, it's girls asking for online sex. You would never believe it. <laughs> but I've become very good at just eyeing the messages and seeing the ones that are important. So don't be afraid. Just so the online sex ones. And there's a whole separate inbox that Tommy <laughs> archives them in, I think. Exactly. No, I delete them as soon as I see them. Always with those stupid Officer. fucking emo- yeah, yeah. yeah, with the stupid fucking apricot emojis and the the water dripping like come on girls i'm not gonna fall for that (laughs) but i'm going to send you off with probably the greatest quote from uh, the football world this week when asked how he handles critics andanovic interest goalkeeper answered on the street there are a lot of dogs barking but i don't throw a rock at every dog that barks which means that andanovic throws rocks at dogs we'll talk to you next week guys have a good weekend (laughs) 